Welcome to Finding Faith, the space we come to share stories of encounter, ask questions, and share in the lived experience of others. As you listen to the stories of our interview guests, I ask that you consider the courage it takes to stand before your peers and share your experience of faith for the benefit of another. My name is Jesse Bennett, and this is the 13th episode of Finding Faith. Today, we have with us Travis Roby. Travis, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Travis Roby. I'm 33 years old. I have a beautiful wife, Susan Roby, who has been right there with me and helped me along with this with this faith journey that I'm about to share with you a little bit about. We have three great kids, Jasper, Stella, and Dawson. I'm really a pretty boring guy besides that, just a simple hometown boy and Born and raised in Whitesville, Kentucky here. Uh, Susan and I started dating uh, early in high school, and we got married not long after. I do lawn and landscape work for a living, and I've been doing that since the eighth grade. It's the first job I've ever had and still do today. And a lot of the people I hang out with, I've known my whole life and, and still hang out with them today. So you can see what I mean by not too exciting, but but I love my life. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you, Travis. And uh, Travis is going to share with us how he came to an accidental encounter with Jesus through reading books at the library. So, Travis, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Well, I started to learn and grow my faith not long after high school, but it wasn't like I didn't have faith before that. I am a cradle Catholic, and like I said earlier, I have lived here my whole life. I've always been a member of St. Mary's Parish, and I went to St. Mary's and Trinity High School from the first to the twelfth grade. I was raised well, and I was brought up in the faith. Uh, My mom and dad and most of my extended family are Catholic, and a lot of them have been active in the church in different ways. We went to Mass every Sunday and said prayers every day. My parents sent me to these Catholic schools, which are awesome, and even if I didn't take full advantage of what they had to offer at the time, they still were providing the moral environment, the knowledge of our faith, and kept me in the sacramental life of our church. Like I said, I didn't care a whole lot about all that then, but these things would prepare me for my encounter and more growth in the faith later on. It wasn't like I didn't have a relationship with Jesus and a prayer life either. When I was growing up, I did. It just wasn't given a lot of time and attention. I had lots of fun in high school, uh, probably a little bit too much fun at times. And without going into too much detail, I struggled with a, a lot of the same temptations and sins that most teenagers struggle with. I was a class clown. I was always goofing off, being mischievous, and just goofing off in lots of different ways. But by the end of high school, around the end of the senior year, I became more serious. I'd been working for my uncle's lawn business since I was younger and decided that after high school, I was going to help him grow his business and hopefully start my own lawn business a few years down the road. So that summer after graduating, I put lots of time, work, and attention towards the business. But then winter came because it was seasonal. Winter came, all of a sudden I had lots of dead time. 
I guess you can say that's when my encounter with Jesus started. This world keeps us pretty busy, and often the devil uses the, that to distract us from God. I do believe God likes to see us work hard, and, and staying busy and working keeps us out of trouble. But if we don't slow down sometimes and quietly talk, listen, and learn from God, we'll never have a relationship with him. That's exactly what happened to me. The world would have looked at my slow time that winter as unproductive and useless. But God saw it as a time that I finally sat down and shut up and finally started to listen to him. I think for the most part, it started when I started going to the library that winter. I never cared about reading before when I was in growing up in school. Uh, but now I had some downtime and I thought, well, I can get some books on lawn and landscaping and books on starting a business and finance stuff. I did get those types of books, but I was also drawn to the religious section, and I picked out a book called The Truth About Catholicism. I don't remember a lot about the book. It might not even been that good of a book, but it opened my mind up a lot more about my faith in Jesus' church. I did keep reading books on the business and lawn and landscaping and all that, but I was drawn more to the religious books that I kept checking out, too. I read books about Catholicism, theology, uh, books about the saints, biographies about the saints. But I even read biographies about people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi, people that were heavily influenced by Jesus and his teachings. My heart and mind were starting to open up more for Jesus. I started spending a lot more time in prayer, and I wanted to get closer to God and his church. That was the start of my encounter. So over the next several years after that, I kept up the reading and praying. Also, my job allowed me to be able to listen to headphones a lot when I was working. So when I discovered EWTN radio, I had countless hours of listening and learning. And Jesus used that and taught me a lot about himself and his church through EWTN radio. As far as how my encounter affected my everyday life, well, I started to wanting to be more helpful to people around me. I found myself doing things like visiting with uh, some several elderly, elderly people that I mowed for at the time. I started being more helpful to, uh, to our church and things going on in the in the St. Mary's Church. One of the most important changes was I started being a lot more concerned about my soul. I started going to confession on a regular basis. There were some sins that I struggled with for a long time that with God's grace, I was able to overcome and others I still struggle with to this day, but I'm more aware of them and I keep fighting with God's grace to beat those two. My encounter wasn't like a quick big thing. It slowly happened over the years and I guess you might say it's still happening today. Sometimes I feel like I have made big advances and sometimes I feel like I went backwards. And what I mean by this is my life ain't the same as it was at the beginning of my encounter. My life is busier now with kids and work and such. So it's not always as easy to do some of the things I mentioned earlier in my encounter, like visiting as much with some people or, or spending quiet time and prayer as much. But I do do adoration. That's another thing that I did that I picked up along my journey. And that was that was a big influence on my faith and helps me a lot. Uh, sometimes I even feel weak uh, when I struggle with sins that I've been struggling with for a long time. Rarely, but I even struggle with some of the things in the church still. Um, sometimes I have still big questions for God. 
but God gives me answers and he pulls me back to himself. And he reminds me why I have faith in him and his church. And he reminds me what great blessings, great people, and great joy I have in my life because of my relationship with him and his church. God is for sure a big part of my everyday life of marriage, raising kids, and work. And because of my encounter, I watch, I hear, and I comprehend everything with a Catholic mind. I may stumble sometimes, and I still have ways to go on my journey, but I'm a truth seeker. And God revealed enough to me over the years of my encounter to let me know that Jesus Christ in the church is the truth. So that's what I put my faith in. Thank you so much, Travis, for sharing your story with us. You know, you talk about being a boring guy, but I think that's a pretty interesting story. Um, I don't know that I know a whole lot of people who came to an encounter through reading books at the library. I just find that fascinating. What were some of the books that you were drawn to when you were, I guess, having this encounter? Like I said, I mostly like biographies, so like saints' biographies, and that's when I was talking about Martin Luther King Jr. or Gandhi and stuff like that. But I, I'm a wide range of stuff. I, I might read people like him, this nonviolent people, but I'm still a guy. I still like action stuff, and <laughs> I read about, read about these, uh, or I like action movies and all that too, you know. But um, but but I love biographies. I just really interest in them. One. One of my favorite biographies of people to read is Pope John Paul II. Um, and I've read Theology of the Body stuff. Don't claim to understand it very well. but That is some dense reading. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, he he has a very interesting life, very interesting guy. And I just, I've read several of his biographies, watched movies about him and stuff. His readings are hard to, to take in, so he's so, so much smarter than the rest of us, I guess, so much of a philosopher, you know. Stories. It sounds like you're very drawn to stories. Um, I am too. I love stories, which is part of why I started this podcast, because I just enjoy sitting with people and hearing the ways that they've encountered Jesus and how he's worked in their life, because we all have a story. And I'm, I'm very fond of saying that we all have a story. Some people think they don't, but we do. We all have a story and we're more alike than we think. Early in, you mentioned that you didn't take full advantage of your Catholic schooling, but it provided a moral environment to the knowledge of our faith and kept you in the sacramental life. And you talked about how that was important for your later encounter. What did your faith like look like in high school? Really, I probably didn't have a very good faith life in high school. It kind of come in spells, you know, I would probably more when I was younger and in middle school, I might would have times of, of where I've start saying I was going to say the rosary to myself or, or spend some quiet time praying by myself, my room or something, you know, and I probably did that in high school too, but I, it wasn't, it definitely was not something constant or something I put a lot of time and attention into. And how would you say that that's evolved over time? Faith is, you know, became the basis of my, the basis of my life and, you know, relationships. I like this community a lot, you know, this is just a great environment. And I think it's because of these, this faith, this church and these schools here and our family, all of our family, we hang out a lot and we're all really close and a lot of our friends are, but I think it's based in this faith, you know. So, um, one of the things that you mention is that, you know, you still, even though it's rare, have some struggles with the church teachings and big questions for God. And I'm a big advocate of asking questions because if you don't ask the question, you'll never know oh, the yeah. answer. So when you have these big questions, where do you go to find those answers? I wouldn't say uh, as far as the church teachings, I don't 
I, I'm not going to say I never come across a church teaching that I don't agree with. Early on in my encounter, you kind of get guilty like a little, not not trying to act like I'm reading, I'm a saint that I've been reading about or nothing. I'm definitely, definitely not them. <laughs> like what I'm getting at is uh, you think that you're in this honeymoon stage of the church, you know, I'm not trying to act like later on I'm a saint going through a dry spell or nothing. I, yeah. It's more of just straight up weakness for me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but but um, it's, but in the honeymoon stages of first getting more involved in the faith, I think, oh man, I, there's nothing I'm going to disagree with. I'm just all about it. You know, you learn over time after you have conversations with people there, you know, there is people bring a new mindset to this that I've never twisted it that way before, but I still rarely have found any teachings that I don't agree with. You know, you might have to look into them a little more. I struggle with, you know, some of the obvious stuff, the, some of the latest stuff in the church over the last few years with some big scandals and stuff that really hit you hard, you know, but I mean, that don't change, that don't change the truth of the faith. So that, that don't really, it hurts me. It's not going to break my faith, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as like big questions for God or something, um, there is things I struggle with there. Not that I'm saying I don't believe in God, but some of the, one of the major ones is if you've never asked yourself this question that I would think that you've never really thought about it a whole lot, but you know, the God is always good thing. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a question that everybody struggled with for years. And if you stop, you have and think to wrestle about, with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You ain't really, you ain't really thought about life that much. If you ain't wrestle with that question. Yeah. There, and those are some of the big questions. I think everybody, like you said, everybody has to wrestle with it at some point or you're just kind of turning a blind eye to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you know, if, if you, if you really get down to it, it's, you know, the three things about God are he's all knowing, um, all powerful. Them two things are not really that hard to to argue, you know. I mean, we're th- talking about God, the highest being of all and stuff, you know. But when you say he's always good and you look around this world, it, it's hard to wrestle with that. But what I have found, yeah, I do a lot of thinking about it, you know, when my job allows me to do a lot of thinking, I sit on a mower a lot, you know, gives <laughs> so you a chance to just <laughs> process, <laughs> process everything. Plus I'm listening to theologians on EWT and radio and stuff a lot. So, uh, I take all that in and, and over time, you know, I'm not going to leave this conversation with, with that, like end it with that because God, even though we can't fully understand that and we're never going to fully understand that because, some of the greatest theologians of all time have wrestled with that question and they gave us some good answers. I mean, they gave us, you know, working for, if you're suffering, you're working for something. He's allowing that to happen because something greater is going to happen. That's a good answer. It don't completely. Yeah. The, the concept of like redemptive suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that don't completely answer the question, but it gives you something. And then kind of what it boils down to what I've, what, where I found my faith still in God is, the, the world, the secular world, the world that don't have its faith in God, they don't have any answers really to them sessions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a, if you're suffering or there's pain in the world, they're just like, you're out of luck, you know, yeah. they're just you're bad just for you. You're up a creek you know? without a paddle there. You know? And God, you know, when, when back in the Bible, when Job was asking, finally broke down and asked him that question, why are you doing this? Why are you making me suffer? I mean, his ultimate answer is I'm God. You're not. I mean, that's, that is an answer. It don't, it don't satisfy us completely. But I mean, if we think of God, like the difference between us and God is way more of a difference than us and an earthworm. So there's no way we can comprehend. Right. Yeah. His ways are not our ways. <laughs> oh yeah. And so, I mean, so you could look at that and, 
and still be like, okay, but still, why did you set it up like this? You know, and, and you got to spend some time thinking about that. You got to be like, you know, you kind of got to get mad every once in a while and be like, why? I don't understand. But, but he does give us an awesome answer more than you, you got to live with it no matter what. And so if the world ain't giving you this answer, God still is because he's saying that there's meaning and purpose in your suffering mm-hmm. and, and meaning and purpose in your life and everybody suffers, you know, so, but the world, if you don't have God in it, they're basically just going to try to have heaven on earth, you know, and God's saying, well, if you, if you suffer here, that there's hope in that and there's purpose because you're going to have greater glory in heaven. And the more you suffer, you're going to have even, even greater glory. So it's a big paradox there. And he proved it by dying on the cross and, and coming here and living. Yeah, he had the ultimate sacrifice of, you know, giving his own life for the saving of our souls. Um, right. The, the epitome of redemptive suffering. Oh, yeah. And so, and and there's even more to it than that. He says, if you live like this, another paradox is if you start giving more of yourself, then you will you will start to have happiness that this world don't even know here on this earth. I'm having all this said, I'm not good at any of this, you know, but I mean, that's a, that's just stuff that, you know, when I was spending more time and falling early in my counter, that's just, you know, that's what I listening to. That's what I'm reading about. That's what I'm thinking about. And, and that makes you think about life more. I think if I could take anything, give anybody a takeaway from this, I would be like, you need to slow down sometimes and think about that stuff, you know? Yes, slow down, take time to wrestle with these questions. Right. Uh, because if you don't wrestle with them, if you don't try to understand, ask the questions again, you just, you never know. Oh, yeah. You'll never find any peace, any solace if you aren't asking these questions, if you're not wrestling with what's, what's the meaning. And well, I mean, you can look at what's going on in our world today. I mean, you, if you want to take a, a world that don't find meaning in, I keep going back to this question with God. I mean, that's, but that's, that's the major question right there. But if you, if, if you want to take a look at this world with God, without God, I mean, a world that lives without God, what happens is when I say they're trying to have, they're just trying to live it up right here, right now. And I'm not, I'm not saying like I said, I'd still do that too. I'm selfish and weak and everything. But what happens is you start trying to take it all out of your life. You start saying, well, if you don't want this burden of pregnancy, let's kill these babies. You don't want this burden of this older people. Let's just kill them off, you know. Because it's all about me. Oh, yeah. And my comfort, my. Right. mm -hmm. You know, and we're we're all selfish people. But I guess that's why God brings in some some pain and suffering. Because, man, what that that draws if the Christian communities and and the way they've lived over the years, the way we live, supposed to live. Uh, suffering and stuff brings us together and brings us a bond. Like, I mean, people that suffer around us and I would never, it's, it, you would, I would never go preach this to a person that's suffering like crazy. Cause I can't imagine. I mean, I would, you'd have to wrestle with that question. It'd be really hard. But the people that I know that suffer in my life the most, uh, people around me, I mean, they're like the glue that holds everything together around them. You know what I mean? They, they got so great to bonds around them because of that. It's so powerful, you know? So just in our world, there's a lot of meaning in that. So I was okay. I'd like to talk about your family a little bit. Okay. And you know, you said you, you mentioned you have three small children. What are their ages again? Uh, Jasper is eight. Stella's four. She's about to be five. And Dawson just turned three. Okay. So three kids under eight years old. Yep. What do you and Susan do as a family to help instill faith in your young children? Uh, we 
pray together every night and every morning. As a family? Yes, as a family. Yes. That's you know, awesome. I mean, with kids, it's short, you know. You can't, <laughs> yeah, you it has little, to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, no doubt. And um, we read, you know, we read them Bible stories. I'm not going to lie, with my first kid, it was easier. Like, I had him knowing, like, Bible stories. We'd read these little things, and, and we'd go to church, and he, he, he could catch on to stuff pretty fast. So, I'd talk about the readings of what's going on. Most of the time, I'd get way too deep. Susan had to stop me and be like, "He can't understand." <laughs> he getting then I'd realize it too, and I look at his face, and he'd just be like, "Yeah, I need to learn how to shorten that up." <laughs> but uh, with the younger ones, we and Susan just had this talk the other day. We was like, "We got to get back into that more." We got to, and it's not like we're not, but but it, you can get off track sometimes, you know. It's easy once you start adding more kids. You know, I only have two, and I feel sometimes like Lily might have got the best of us before Sebastian <laughs> yeah. came along. And not that he's not getting a great experience, too. You're right. But um, like you said, when you've got one, you can focus a lot more attention on them. You can almost tag team the kids. But once you get two, it's one-on-one. And then once it's three, you're outnumbered. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. uh, it, it can be a challenge sometimes to keep up with the routines. And as life gets busier, they get older. You start adding in school and sports mm-hmm. and all right. the homework and yeah well they go to they go to these catholic schools too so they're getting nursed in the faith there and also we volunteer stuff up here at the church and so they see us doing that so a lot of times you know seeing that stuff i think helps them along too you know kids are sponges and honestly the best way i think probably the best way to teach them to do something is just by the way that you live Right. You know, if you want kids to eat healthy, you can't just put vegetables on their plate while you're eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. You have to eat the vegetables, too. And they yeah. learn that that's important because they see their parents doing it. Same thing with the faith. If they see you praying, if they see you attending mass, volunteering, yeah. um, serving other people, that's they're going to soak that in much more than if you just tell them that that's important. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, with kids, when I say, you know, my life has changed, sometimes I feel like early on when I said, talk about the saints and stuff, early on when I was reading about the saints, you first get into that and you think, well, I'm not, I'm not here now, but I bet you in four or five years, I'm going to be really holy after, you know, cause you think you're growing there <laughs> and then boom, you're just life and you're just, your weakness keeps you, keeps you from going there, you know, but at the same time, sometimes you don't realize how God's working you too, because even though I don't have time to do all that other stuff, kids make you more selfless than anything. Yes. I mean, all yes. of a sudden, I remember, the, you know, we had our first kid. I was like, whoa, this guy's taking my attention all the time. And, you know, after you get more of them, you're like, well, it, this ain't, you know, it's, it ain't too bad. But but they still makes you selfless whether you want to be or not, you know. So that's, that'll help you grow in holiness, too, and makes you love something more than you ever loved, you know. So you can't imagine you're – and that's the most important thing, so – yeah, I was talking with a friend of mine once and I said that kids burn the selfishness out of you like so quickly because you're right. They they just need. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, too, you see, I mean, infants are selfish. That's they're designed that way, but it's because they can't take care of their own needs. Right. So like it just I feel like I noticed and was hyper aware of their neediness and realizing my own selfishness in that. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Like, I yeah. can see oh, yeah, selfishness like, mirrored in the child <sighs> and like, oh, that's what I do. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got to learn how to be less selfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, it it, it brings all your selfishness to the surface. You know? <laughs> and every flaw you've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> all your all your little uh, <laughs> vices. Yeah. And hopefully we'll turn them into virtues. You're right. So one last question for you. A real easy one. 
So what do you do to keep up your own prayer life? Well, like I said, I do adoration once a week. Um, that keeps me grounded there. Early, like I said several times here, the earlier in my encounter, you don't, when you don't have kids, you, it's easy to just go sit in your room and, and just be quiet with God and stuff. Once you have kids, life's busier and, and work and all that, you know, and all the extra stuff that comes with that. So you don't as much, but I still, you know, I still wake up first thing in the morning and, and God's on my mind first thing. I'll say some quick prayers when I get out there and get my equipment ready. I'm saying prayers. I'm usually listening to EWTN mass on my headphones. I'll at least listen to the sermon or something. Usually I'm all distracted, but um, then throughout the day I'm praying, you know, usually just little short prayers and, and listening to st- stuff occasionally on my headphones. And then I always uh, say prayers with them at nighttime. And, and I need to get back into s- trying to be quiet at nighttime. I'm not going to lie. I'm weak. And sometimes at night after the kids go to bed, you just want to just chill and you just watch a little TV or something for a minute. I need to start taking a little bit more time. And I, and that's what happens. I'd go through spells where I do that and spells where I don't, you know, but God is definitely a part of my everyday life. I think about him multiple, multiple times throughout the day, but you know, I know that I should be, there's nothing like that sitting in just complete silence, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes. And so when I do that, I feel better. So I, I I go through spells when I do that. I hope that I can get more of a routine of that, you know, every on a daily basis. But yeah, and it can be a challenge um, to uh, to create that habit of prayer. I right. found, especially with like you said, when you have children, when you have a full time job. At the end of the day, my brain is just fried. And early in the morning, it doesn't matter how early I get up. I try to get up before they do, and they still wake up even earlier. So yeah, yep. it just feels impossible sometimes. Yeah. But I know that it's important. Right. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I always, um, I call it text, sending God text messages. So, like, I might think throughout the day and, like, shoot off little prayers or little yeah. requests or pray for people. Yeah. My job allows me to, you know, if I'm sitting on a mower or weed eating or whatever, sometimes there's thinking, but a lot of times, you know, I'm just just in this routine. So I can pray when I'm on there. Still not exactly the same as sitting in complete silence, you know, but I do get prayers in there, too, so... One of my favorite prayers allow me to do your will or whatever, but don't forget how weak I am <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, have mercy on me because don't forget how weak I am. I'm going to have to look that one up. That yeah. sounds, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I jacked it up right there, but, ah. but it definitely, I definitely say that one a lot. Like, Remember how weak I am. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us here tonight and for sharing your story with us um, and talking a little about your family and um, the ways in which you guys are living out your faith. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And thanks for all you're doing. And thank you for listening here today. I know we're 15 episodes into our first season, but I would love to hear from you, our listeners. Rather than asking you to hunt down my contact information, I created an email for the podcast so that you can contact me with your questions, concerns, stories, requests, whatever, directly. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, need someone to journey with, or would like to contact me regarding the podcast or one of its guests, you can email me at findingfaith123 at gmail.com. That's findingfaith, the number one, two, three, at gmail.com. 